G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Tuesday, a good opportunity to pause for a few moments to reflect on those things that are happening in those Bible lands of the Middle East which have such a prominent place in the Scriptures and what's happening today is just as important for us to know. Let's get some insights into some of the breaking news headlines overnight. Ron Ross is joining us. Hello, Ron. Welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Ron, let's talk about the peace process, which is, in a sense, underway in the Middle East. Uh, a U.S. delegation headed for Jerusalem. A Palestinian Authority official has complained, though, that the Palestinians are excluded from Middle East peace talks. What's the story? Yeah, this official in Ramallah said they're not pinning their hopes on the imminent visit by a U.S. delegation, which consists of uh, U.S. President Donald Trump's son-in-law and Special Advisor Jared Kushner, Special Representative for International Affairs Jason Greenblatt, and Deputy National Security Advisor for Strategy Dina Powell. A White House official said that Trump was planning to send the trio to the Middle East to continue discussions and the pursuit of peace that began early in his administration. The official said Kushner, Greenblatt and Powell would be meeting with leaders from Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, Qatar, Jordan, Egypt, Israel and the Palestinian Authority. To enhance the chances for peace, all parties need to engage in creating an environment conducive to peacemaking while affording the negotiators and facilitators the time and space they need to reach the deal, the White House official said. Ramallah is pessimistic about any possibility of the diplomacy between Jerusalem, Ramallah and Cairo leading to a renewal of the peace process. The Palestinians claim that Trump and the staff he has appointed to oversee negotiations between Israel and the Palestinians are heavily biased in favour of Israel. The Palestinian officials said that Ramallah believed that Israel and the United States were working with Arab states on a regional peace plan that would come at the expense of the two-state solution. So it continues and it's been going on for a long, long time. A lot of suspicion, isn't there, on, I might say, every side. Uh, let's talk about the UN uh, urge to end the crisis in Gaza. The crisis between Palestinian Authority factions has created a serious condition for the Gaza residents, Ron. Yeah, this is very sad. Uh, Ravina Shandasani told a news briefing in Geneva, she's the UN Human Rights Spokeswoman, we are deeply concerned about the steady deterioration in the humanitarian conditions and the protection of human rights in Gaza. She accused all the relevant parties of not meeting their obligations to promote and protect the rights of the residents. Hamas violently seized control of the Gaza Strip in 2007, routing forces loyal to the Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas. 
hoping to pressure Hamas to relinquish control of Gaza. Abbas, who leads the rival Fatah faction, has cut payments to Israel for the electricity it supplies to Gaza. Sham Dasani said that at the height of summer, with soaring temperatures, electricity has often been provided for less than four hours a day and never more than six since last April. This has a grave impact on the provision of essential health, water and sanitation services, she said. Families buy only enough supplies for a day as they cannot store goods in refrigerators, especially meat and dairy products. Hospital officials complain of acute shortages of medications. The Gaza Health Ministry says about 40% of essential medicines have run out, especially for patients with cancer, cystic fibrosis and kidney failure. It certainly is a crisis. And sounds dreadfully uncomfortable. Ron, Israel's Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, He's proposing a new law that would enable him to declare war without firstly seeking government approval. What are these headlines all about? Well, it's got my mind ticking over what, what's, he, what's he thinking. In certain cases, he would be able to do so even without the presence of a full cabinet. The bill will be brought before the Knesset for approval when it reconvenes. Two months ago, the Cabinet approved an amendment to the legislation that would allow the government to authorise the Cabinet at the beginning of the term to launch a major military operation of war in order to prevent leaks. It would appear that the impetus for Netanyahu's proposal was a dramatic event that took place seven years ago in which former Chief of Staff Gabi Ashkenazi and former Mossad Chief Mir Dagon said they could not launch a military operation that Netanyahu had instructed because it could have potentially led to war and was therefore illegal. Officials at the Israel Ministry of Justice have made it clear that such legislation would prevent the need for a real-time legal debate which could lead to leakage of information and prevent necessary action from being taken. Well, there are lots of enemies and I'm sure that there are lots of big decisions that have to be made about who makes the final call on those sorts of issues. One of those groups that is in constant tension with Israel, the Palestinian Authority, well, the chief Mahmoud Abbas is cracking down on Palestinian news and social media. What's the story there, Ron? Well, it appears there's a big concern in the Palestinian Authority that uh, Abbas is getting no younger and there's no obvious replacement for him. And there's a lot of criticism of his regime. And uh, he's saying that because of national unity, he's cr- uh, crushing free speech. Palestinian Authority head Mahmoud Abbas has clamped down on social media and news websites, the main outlets for debate and dissent within the Palestinian Authority. He made a vaguely worded decree that critics say allows his government to jail anyone on charges of harming national unity or the social fabric. It's very interesting that in my time in Jerusalem, quite often Palestinian journalists would leak information to the foreign press rather than put their own name on it. And uh, most of the sites that have been blocked, and there are 30 websites that have been blocked, uh, have, have been critical of Abbas and his operation. Five journalists working for news outlets linked to Hamas were detained this week and charged with violating the new law. Uh, so it looks like he's clamping down. 
but more or less to save his own skin. And so many new developments to keep track of. Uh, Let's talk about one development uh, with the Iranians where the Israel Mossad chief is warning of Iranian expansionism in the Middle East. What is the headline here, Ron? Mossad chief Yossi Cohen says Iran is moving to fill the void left by the demise of the Islamic State. Uh, He said that uh, there's a... Tehran has been empowering uh, terrorists in Syria, Lebanon, Iraq, and Yemen with that in mind. He likewise contended that the Islamic Republic has not given up on its goal to become a nuclear state and that the agreement with world powers aimed at curbing Tehran's atomic program has served it to strengthen its aggressiveness. Iran has long backed Syrian President Bashar al-Assad in the six-year-long war, having put boots on the ground in support of Shiite militias and Hezbollah. In Iraq, Tehran has likewise supported Shiite combatants in the battle against ISIS and has politically supported the government. In Yemen, Tehran is arming the Houthi rebels who currently control the capital Sana'a in a campaign against a Saudi-led Sunni coalition. Uh, It's a a very uh, stark warning and one that bears a lot of uh, uh, consideration. And uh, one final issue to cover with you, Ron. The world's oldest man has died, aged 113, and the interesting twist here is he's a Holocaust survivor. I love this story. His life absolutely challenges the daylights out of me. Uh, He was a Polish-born Israel Crystal, and he died a month ago. Uh, He lived in Haifa, Israel, in his retirement. Uh, He was born in the village of Zanau in the year 1903. And uh, I found it interesting that in that year, um, Ford got its first car. Uh, There was a suggestion that a bike race could be run in Paris called the Tour de France. And the first test between Australia and New Zealand was played at the Sydney Cricket Ground in Rugby Union. And way betide, New Zealand won that one as well. Uh, But he went through the Holocaust. He lost two children in the ghetto in uh, in Lons, in Poland. He went through a situation that was quite horrific. And I, I just, when I was meditating on his amazing life, I think of the way people go to the gyms these days. They had these fad diets. People run miles along beaches. And his training was to go from tragedy to tragedy and uh, go through the Holocaust, uh, lose one family and then start another. His daughter, Shula, she, uh, at his funeral said she had a great father. Despite all that he went through and he lost the whole family in the Holocaust, He had a lot of optimism, and he always saw only light and good in everything. Uh, An amazing challenge for any of us who want to whinge. (laughs) And I imagine that you could actually say uh, there's no one secret to a long life when you've actually uh, coped with so much tragedy and so much upheaval. That's an incredible story. Uh, Ron, great getting your insights and your update, and thanks so much for monitoring the headlines each week. It's an enlightening opportunity to talk to you every time we talk. So thank you so much once again for being with us here on 2020. Thank you, sir. 
Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.